Hello, friends, and welcome to another episode of Bad Flips and Maple Dips. My name's Clayton Croker, coming to you from beautiful Saskatoon, Saskatchewan. Thanks for listening, wherever you are, however you are, whether that be on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, Google Podcasts, TuneIn, whatever. Thanks a bunch. Thanks for the follows on the Twitter and the Facebook and the Instagram, all that social media stuff, at BFMD Podcast. Boys, lead-off question today. Two-part question. How sad are you about Bo Bichette, and would you donate your knee to him if that was the only possible way for him to ever play again? Justin Anderson, also in beautiful Saskatoon, let's start with you. Let me just crack this beer real quick, too. Oh, um, buddy, what a coincidence, because hey. the episode today is once again brought to you by the random stuff I found <laughs> in my golf bag. Great haul today, boys. A lukewarm 016, a piss-warm Gatorade, and a full tin of Copenhagen Straight. I haven't really <laughs> chewed in a long time, but I left this in my bag like years ago or whatever. has like two dips taken out of it. And I figured because of the way the, the doubleheader went today, might throw in a big old lipper here to uh, make myself feel better. Sorry, I had to interject there. Justin, No problem. Go Cheers on. to the microphone. Let me just take a quick sip of this. Uh, okay. All right. Now I'm, I'm ready. So if, if it was, I, I'm bummed, honestly, like, Bo's off to a historic start to his career. We've we've all seen the tweets about how like Joe DiMaggio was the only player with like more extra base hits through their first like what was it, like fifty nine career games, some random ass number like that. But he's off to a historic start. Like Joe DiMaggio was a pretty good hitter. I don't know if anybody knows who that is, but a pretty good hitter. He was, day. he was okay. He was all right. Yeah, only like, like one of the best of all time. Um, but yeah, this, these injuries to Bo, I mean, this is the second time he's been hurt this year. Obviously, the first time he only missed uh, a few games was that his hamstring or something that he had a slight little tweak in. Now it's the knee. Last year, started off the minor league season by getting drilled in the hand on his fault and then get a, got, obviously got hit in the head in the big leagues. Again, not his fault. So really four injuries in his first uh, – well, three injuries in the bigs, but for the last couple of years, I don't, I don't want to call him injury-prone – he plays the game hard, so he's going to put himself in a lot of positions. Your second question, if I could give him my knee, would I? No, my knee's really valuable. I'm I'm 27 years old. i got a lot of life left on this knee. I don't plan on giving it up anytime soon. You're a complete coward, part-time fan. Absolute part-time fan. I can't believe you did not give your knee to Bo Bichette. <laughs> wow. Disgraceful. We were just talking about how I've watched every inning. This I haven't, I'm not, I haven't turned our games off, even when we're getting shit-pumped 8 to nothing. I've, I've watched everything. Disgraceful. Absolutely hey. selfish. So selfish. You, you Patrick Marsh. Tell me what you want. Patrick I, Marsh out in Nova Scotia. Need. No, you just lost microphone privileges, bud. Patrick Marsh out in Nova Scotia. Uh, redeem I, yourself. Redeem the podcast here. Hello? Hi. <laughs> what? I was just, I was really thrown off there, boys, by the uh, by the back and forth there. I'm like in la-la land right now. But uh, to answer your second question first. No, I would not donate my knee to Bo because my knees right now are probably in worse shape than whatever shape Bo Bichette's knee is right now. I've got two bum knees. Uh, boys, I've blown out and dislocated them so many times at this point in my life. Um, he don't want any part of these knees. Um, if I could donate, like, sinew from my body to repair his knee, absolutely. Cut off one arm. Cut off a leg. I don't give a shit. Yeah, whatever need we need to get him back in the lineup. Um, and answer your second or your first question second. Uh, I'm super sad because uh, at the very least, he's out for nine games. And, it's eleven uh, games as, actually. 
It's 11 games. Yeah, and if uh, if anybody watched the games today, which is Sunday, August 15th, <laughs> we definitely need them. Because, well, I guess maybe it doesn't matter since our season is just about wrapped up anyway. But um, nonetheless, super sad today. Very optimistic look at things. Uh, before we go around <laughs> the horn here with the uh, with the first big topic, that is Charlie Montoyo. Uh, little uh, overview of what the episode is going to be about. We're going to look at wait, the wait obviously. Wait a minute. What, what about your knees? Oh, I'm giving I'm giving him both my knees if he needs it, buddy. You know Cotton yeah. Hill from uh, King of the Hill, Hank Hill's dad. I'd be walking around like that if it meant oh, wow. the Blue Jays still having Bo Bichette. I'm a real fan, guys. I'm a real fan. I live for the Jays. Let's go. Um, go. We're going to be talking about the weekend series against the Rays, the disappointment there, the Red Sox series, the Marlins series, uh, getting to some who's hot, who's not, because some Jays players have been playing great. Some Jays guys have been playing not so great. Uh, Just look at the chances for the rest of the season and just a lot of Blue Jay talk coming up here. No other talk, maybe some hockey at the end, but a lot of Blue Jay talk here. Let's get into it. Um, Charlie Montoyo, let's just get right into it. A lot of Blue Jay fans kind of blaming him for the team's struggles as of late. Uh, some questionable decisions for sure. We're going to look at a bunch of facets of the game. The batting order, the defensive alignment, the bullpen management, just the roster management in general. And go through a couple of the moves that had some Jays fans scratching their heads. Justin, let's start with you first and let's go with the uh, with the batting order. How do you think uh, Charlie Montoyo's done managing the batting order and what are some mistakes he He's made in the past week that that kind of left you asking why yeah so i mean the, the first thing that a lot of people on, on blue jay twitter have really been going off on is the batting order uh more specifically with with a guy like teoscar hernandez nobody really complained when we moved vladi down to sixth because frankly vladi deserved to be hitting sixth but in the same note there was a game where they put teoscar hernandez in the eighth spot in the batting order now, for those of you out there who don't know too much about lineup construction, typically you're going to put your better hitters in the first four, maybe the first five spots, especially with the DH in the American League. Reason being is that if your team gets one hit in a ball game, your leadoff guy gets an extra at bat. He's going to get that fourth at bat. So the, the more guys in the top order that you have, the more hits you get, the more at bats your best hitters get throughout the course of a game. So putting a guy like Teoscar Hernandez, who is among the league leaders in power numbers right now, we'll touch on him later on in the show, in the eighth spot is really a travesty. And, and the reason that they put him there apparently was to, quote, lengthen the lineup, unquote, so that guys like Bo and Cavan could have runners on base when they hit. Now, I understand the sentiment, but the execution and the actual doing of the act of putting Teoscar in the eighth spot is, is just not not smart. You're, you're potentially taking away an at-bat for him uh, throughout the course of a game. And and really at the point that they did that, it was only him and Bo Bichette who were having great years. So putting him down there just made zero sense to me. Patrick, you had time to think on it. You had time to digest the information. What do you think now? Yeah, I mean... When it comes to lineup management, um, this is probably the uh, Oscar Hernandez batting an eighth is probably the the most egregious and most obvious example of incompetence. Um, putting Oscar Hernandez eighth was a bad move, um, and it definitely cost us that game directly. And the reason why I can say that with so much confidence is that Hernandez went two for four in that game while 
Uh, Lourdes Gurriel Jr., Rowdy Telez, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., Randall Gritchick, and Travis Shaw all went a combined three for 15. Mm-hmm. That's three hits from your two, three, four, five, or no, sorry, three, four, five, six, and seven hitters. And obviously, lengthening the lineup, it, it, it was the opposite. It cost us the game. Bo got on base that game. Kavan got on base that game. If Hernandez had been hitting uh, when those guys were on base, if we go by the numbers and by the statistics, uh, we would have had two more runs batted in, which means you know we would have been leading the game six to five. I mean, who knows what would have happened, you know, if uh, one of our pitchers had to pitch uh, with a tie game or being up by a run. It, it, historically, so far this season, it hasn't gone very well, but. Uh, this decision single-handedly absolutely cost us the game. That is a loss that is 100% on Charlie Montoyo. What about the Joe Panic at DH situation there? Because <laughs> a lot of other guys on the bench, I'm looking at Rowdy. I mean, sure, Rowdy's not off to the greatest start, but I'd rather have him at DH over Joe Panic. Maybe even McGuire, Anthony Alford. Alford's found his swing the past couple of games here. But what about that decision, Justin? Did, what did you think about putting Joe Panic at DH? Yeah, so so at the at the time that they had done this, yeah, like you said, Rowdy was cold. Obviously, he's heated up in the last few games, and, and same with Anthony Alford. But the fact that we're putting um, Joe Panic in the DH spot, who was honestly he's hitting one, he was hitting one thirty six on the season at the time, uh, and he has a career thirty eight home runs. Now, I don't know if anybody knows much about the DH spot either, but typically that's a spot where you're going to put a, a guy like a, say David Ortiz who hits a ton of home runs, um, a guy like back at the end of his career, Jason Giambi, those like prototype, prototypical power hitters, right, that are going to, to, to drive in runs. Now, Joe Panik's not known as a run producer. I mean, the guy is a cold glove defender, but that does not mean he can hit the ball um, all over the ballpark. So just questionable stuff like that where you're, you're just not putting your best offensive lineup on the field. Now, uh, we were talking about it today. Like obviously, right now we're we're trying to trade some offense for defense, and it's it's definitely showing on the results of the team. But using panic at DH when you've got other guys available was um, was not smart. Not smart, in my opinion. So when it comes to one facet of the game, the batting order, Charlie Montoyo can be blamed for a little bit of the Jay struggles and also mm-hmm. maybe a win or two. What about another facet of the game defensively, Justin? Um, do you think Montoyo has been good there, or have there been some slip-ups there too? You know what? Honestly, um, I think that he's been fine defensively. He's used, like... Uh, a few different combinations in the outfield. I know our, our, our outfield, besides Randall Gritchick and Anthony Alford, aren't really sound defend, uh, defensively. But um, he's he hasn't made too many mistakes in the defensive alignment thing. We've maybe seen some guys moved around a little bit too early. Today we saw um, Guriel come in for Alford, when maybe Guriel should have replaced Tasker Hernandez so they could have kept Alford's defense in the game. But at the same time, I don't have too much to criticize here. People have been mad about Vladdy kind of platooning at first in DH. Well, we've got Rowdy and Travis Shaw. Those guys are both first basemen slash Shaw playing third base as well, too. And they need to get their defensive bats in or defensive innings in as well. Um, and obviously, all three of them aren't the best defensive first basemen. So it's just kind of a coin flip over there. But I mean, obviously, for me, having Vladdy at first has allowed us to put Shaw at third and put Drury in at third, who 
Drury is a better defender. I know Patrick has some stuff to say about Drury uh, offensively, but he has to look good at third base. So I, I'm not really too offended by Montoya's defense. I think the uh, mid and late game substitutions have maybe left something to be desired, though. Patrick, what about you when it comes to the defense of the Jays? And I totally spaced and forgot to ask you about the uh, Joe Panic DH thing. First chew in a while, I'm buzzing like a 16-year-old hockey player right now on this. Jeez Louise. <laughs> uh, what do you think about the Joe Panic thing and defensively for the Jays? Well, it's kind of interesting because, well, I mean, I guess they're not directly related, but they are. Uh, Panic, obviously, great defender. He's a guy that uh, if you need competent defense uh, in your lineup, he's a good go-to guy. Unfortunately, uh, he has completely lost his back. Uh, he has no power, and uh, now that he has no contact, uh, he's just taking up roster space. Um, he's like a poor man's poor man's uh, John McDonald, who is <laughs> universally beloved by Jays fans. Uh, and guy. after this weekend, Panic will be the opposite of that. Um, putting Panic in the DH spot was absolutely poor lineup management, and we happened to lose that game by one run. And guess who struck out twice and left two runners on base? I'll let you have three guesses, Justin, as to who it was. Well, I don't want to uh, panic, but I guess it was a guy named Joe. Boo. Yes. Oh, yeah. Boo. Oh, give it to me. Yes. Drive on your booze. Boo. Yes. Power me. Uh, <laughs> absolutely. It was Joe Panic. Uh, so even though Panic was the one to swing the bat, Charlie was the one who put him in the lineup. I would attribute this loss again directly to Charlie Montoyo. Uh, when it comes to defensive alignment, again, uh, we've had some issues when it comes to how our uh, how our infields played. We've seen a lot of fielding errors, a lot of throwing errors from the outfield. Uh, you know, two very costly errors today cost us two baseball games, uh, and it cost us a shot at 500, and um, we'll get into that a little bit later. Um, when it comes to Vladdy in particular playing at first base as opposed to strictly DHing, uh, Vladdy's conditioning is a huge concern for me. Uh, I don't know how he did today as far as his performance because I didn't get a chance to pull his statistics. Um, believe it or not, this is going to be an episode where we didn't talk about Vladdy too much. Um, but I'm not sure Vladdy's hitting his weight right now. Uh, and he's been making good plays at first play, first base. Um, but his bat has been so disappointing that um, I just I don't know where to fit him into the lineup anymore. It certainly can't be in the top five hitters. Um, he does need to be in the lineup every day. And if you don't trust Rowdy Telez... Uh, to be a, a defensive piece, then Vladdy has to be at first, and Telez has to be at DH. Travis Shaw, you you brought in to, to play first base, but obviously if you're shifting Vladdy over, you know, all three of them can't play in the infield. Uh, I don't think Travis Shaw can play anywhere but third and first, nor do I think we would want him to play anywhere but third or first. Um, the alternative is if you think Santiago Espinal has what it takes to be better than Brandon Drury's uh, 111 batting average so far. Uh, you could always bring him in to play third, shift shot over the first. Vladdy DHs and Telez rides the line. But I mean, these are things that I don't, I don't know whether or not Charlie Montoya was thinking about them or not. Um, I don't think uh, defensive alignment has actually cost us wins. It's 
probably cost us a run or two. But in the grand scheme of things, I don't know if we can necessarily blame uh, Charlie Montoyo for Vladdy's poor conditioning or the fact that Rowdy Telez isn't a, isn't really a great defensive first baseman. I don't know if we can pin that to him. So I'm going to say that this is we could probably toss this one out as a reason to blame Charlie Montoyo. I think you can make an argument for each side when it comes to the batting order and defensive alignment that, yes, you can blame Charlie Montoyo, but you can also make the argument that, hey, it's just baseball, the boys are cold, sometimes you just don't get the bounces and whatever. I think you can make arguments for both when it comes to the batting order and defensively, but the big issue for me has been the bullpen. I think that's been a pretty big concern with how he's doing it. Um, especially if you look at Blue Jays' Twitter, they're not really happy how he's uh, dealing with the bullpen. Justin, is that the biggest concern out of these three facets of the game, or is he doing an okay job with the bullpen? Um, yeah, I'm concerned about it. A larger concern for me is the fact that I just don't think we have um, <laughs> the depth of arms that we that we did. Without Ken Giles down there, it's tough. I mean, we've got these great or I shouldn't say great. We've got these above-average, long-relief guys right now with guys like Kay, Baraki, uh, Waggus, Pack, and Hatch. Um, but our, our high-leverage guys that we expected to be high-leverage, like Rafael Dolis, um, haven't really panned out. Shun Yamaguchi, another guy who has looked better lately. I'll give him that. So he started off bad. Then you've got AJ Cole, who uh, was looking okay until today. He was a little shaky. Jordan Romano's had a couple of shaky outings in a row now. Um, Anthony Bass obviously blew a save for us a couple a couple games ago. So, I mean, I think the bullpen is just really... They've been worked, too, right? I mean, our starters haven't given us length, which is part of the fact of, of a 60-game season and not being lengthened out. So, I mean, as much as I want to criticize uh, Montoyo for his bullpen management, I think it's a little bit of like playing with the cards you're dealt, too. I mean, we, we haven't seen the best possible bullpen guys being around because we haven't had Ken Giles at the back end. That just changes everything. So I want to give Charlie a little bit of slack here. I think he's gotten better at this as the season has gone along. Hasn't been perfect, but again, I just think it's it's a cards he's been dealt kind of situation. Before we get more into Giles and Font and some other guys specifically in the bullpen, uh, just overall, the bullpen, big concern for you, Patrick, the way Montoya was running it? Overall, I would say I am concerned about how Charlie Montoyo has managed the bullpen, but I would not say the arms in the bullpen are a problem. They are being worked hard right now, and it's not really fair for us to, to put much blame on them. Yes, uh, Raphael Dolis has been uh, basically, I think uh, Justin coined it uh, as a coin, coin flip, he makes me really nervous when he pitches. Um, Shun Yamaguchi makes me really nervous. Um, I can't watch Wilmer Font pitch. Um, and, you know, that's three arms. But we have quite a few pitchers uh, who, at least as of the beginning of today, uh, were part of the zero crew. They were ro- rocking zero ERAs, and they were the reason why we were seven and nine going in today, and we actually had a shot at the playoffs. Uh, now that today's games are over, it's a different story. Um, I'm not going to be nice at all in this section. And I know I said, you know, I was going to try not to be negative, but you got to let me off the chain for this at least, because I have a lot to say about bullpen management itself specifically. Um, 
do you guys have anything to say before I, you know, dig in here? I don't think we're out of the playoff picture at all. Even after these two losses here, I know that every game matters. But again, maybe the Jays win seven in a row. We're right back in it. Like you never know when a team can get hot, especially with all these outside factors, how a team is dealing with it. I don't think it's fair to say the Jays are done quite yet. There's still some time. You know, we haven't even hit yeah. the 20 game mark yet. So we still got two thirds of the season left to make up some ground. Crazier things have happened. You know, the boys could get hot. So I don't think it's right to rule them out yet. I have faith. A 500 baseball team can make the playoffs this season. Exactly. So with the more, that is with... not out of the question yet. But every every game we give away puts us in a, a deeper hole, though, too, to, to be fair. so and, it's... and don't forget, we have to play the Yankees 10 out of our last <laughs> 19 games. Yeah. Unless we're going to sweep the season series with the Yankees, boys, we got to go into that 10 games above 500. Well, remember, too. Um... In order to have the cushion. Another team we haven't seen yet in our division is Baltimore, and they've actually looked a lot better this season. Yeah, we've, had, we've got 10 games against them still. Baltimore is currently a playoff team right now. We are not. Yeah, thankfully, I think, I think after next weekend, we don't see Tampa Bay ever again this hey. season, which can't come soon enough. Yeah. <laughs> well, before, right. before you go it's... off here, I have Faith Hill, so I want to go on the record. I still have Faith Hill for the Jays. Okay, does that mean our our song today, our outro song, is going to be Faith Hill? Obviously. All right, well, then you better get digging. It's time, though, boys. It's time to talk about bullpen management, and this is going to hurt you just as much as it's going to hurt me. <laughs> but let's talk about facts. These are pure facts I'm going to drop on you, and let me know if I'm barking up the wrong tree here. Let's talk about Shun Yamaguchi. I know we were all super excited about this guy. We signed him. He came in. Spring training didn't look too bad. He was going to be our X factor. Some of us, I won't name names, wanted him to be a part of the rotation. Some of us, like myself, thought he would end up being in the bullpen. He'd be a long reliever, uh, especially in situations where the game was out of reach. Charlie Montoyo thought differently. He put Yamaguchi in two high leverage spots so far this season where he was 100% outclassed by hitters that he had never pitched against. And as a guy who had never pitched in MLB until now, this was a no-win scenario for him. He was going to get shelled. And he did both times where he was in these high leverage situations. He has tossed up a ton of muffins. And he's given up a lot of home runs. Those are two losses that are a direct result of Charlie Montoyo choosing to use a pitcher had very little knowledge or experience against these world-class hitters. I completely blame Montoyo and not Yamaguchi for this. Yamaguchi was put into the situation by a manager, could have taken advantage of much hotter uh Pitchers, like some of the young guns who were rocking zero ERAs, instead he put in Yamaguchi, it's cost us two losses. We also, uh, we absolutely should be blaming Charlie Montoya for what happened with Ken Giles. Ken Giles didn't look right at all from the moment he stepped onto the mound in that appearance. Then he was just all over the place. He got runners on base and he was kept out there. And then he was taken out because he was injured. There's no rule in MLB that says if a, 
pitcher is injured, they have to continue pitching. So the justification of saying, well, he has to face three batters, that rule doesn't come into play if a pitcher is injured. Clearly, Ken Giles was injured because he has been on the the 10-day DL since then, and he hasn't come off of it, which means he's going to miss even more time. So again, Charlie Montoyo is responsible for keeping Ken Giles out on the mound when he knew he, he was hurt and he could have taken him out at any point. We lost that game because of that. So even if we are kind and we we only count the mistakes made by Charlie Montoya with bullpen management, that's still three losses. You take away three losses from our record and you add three wins, and guess what, boys? We're in a playoff spot. But it's not just those three losses that we're going to account for. It's those three losses, the panic screw-up, and... Uh, the mistake with Teoscar Hernandez, and that is five losses because of roster management problems. So we're 7-11 and 11 right now. You take five losses away from us right now, and guess what? We're 12-6. and six. We would actually be competing with the Yankees for first in our division if it wasn't for these, man- these lineup screw-ups. Now, we have a lot of other problems going on this team, not the least of which is fielding errors and throwing errors and base running errors. But those are five things I've just demonstrated that are direct results of Charlie Montoyo's incompetence. Do we still have faith in this man to take us to the World Series? I have faith, Hill, still. I have faith, Hill. I'm a Mississippi girl. I got faith, Hill. Um, again, it's still too early. The, he's with. He's got a, such a young team, and as a manager, having a young team that doesn't have a lot of experience, that's got to be so tough because he's not an experienced manager either. This is his first gig. So I know he has a lot of experience as an assistant coach and player development, all that stuff, but he's still learning too. So give him some time because we've been patient with our young guys. We've been patient with Bo. We've been patient with Vladdy. We've been patient with all these guys. I think Charlie Montoyo deserves a little bit of a break too because he's still a relatively new manager as well. I know it's his job, and I know he has screwed up definitely, but he definitely does deserve some of the responsibility. But at the same time, we got to be a little patient with this guy. Those are my final thoughts on it. Uh, Justin, any more before we get into some, uh, some Jays games here? No, I think I think the last thing that we'll, we want to talk about before we go on is the the whole Jacob Wegas pack situation in Atlanta. I just want to highlight this quickly. Um, I've got no more thoughts. I think Patrick outlined the, the the bullpen management and everything else really well. So that's all I got there. But I do want to touch on this Jacob Wegas pack, what some people call a, a fiasco, and I do want to take the blame off of Charlie Montoyo here. This this was not on him, guys. Um, if you recall, this was the day when the Blue Jays had to trim their roster down from 30 to 28 guys. So they had sent uh, Wagus Pack down to the minors along with like, Billy McKinney. Um, and then they had placed Trent Thornton on the injured list shortly after, which then led to the recall of Wagus Pack, who hadn't actually left Atlanta yet. So he came back to the ballpark somewhere in, in between the, the send down and the recall. He was not placed on the lineup card that the umpires received for that game. Now, when they tried to bring Jacob Wegespack in uh, to relieve Nate Pearson, the umpires called out Charlie and said, you know what, he he can't pitch, he's not on the lineup card. Now, I'm not sure what was said on the field and what the reason the umpires gave, but uh, myself and some other folks on Twitter, uh, myself being an umpire, I've actually run into this situation before, but 
Um, rule 4.03 subsection C to get all technical on you in the official oh baseball rule book oh boy. S- states that, and I quote, the failure to list a potential substitute player shall not make such potential substitute ineligible to enter the game. Boom, so in this situation, lawyer. Jacob Wegespack should have been allowed to pitch. This was not Charlie Montoyo's fault. This was a missed rule by the umpire crew. I know that Twitter was being the living shit out of Charlie Montoya after this one, but technically, he didn't do anything against the rules. Listing potential substitutes is simply stated in the rule book as a courtesy to the opposing team. So you don't actually have to list your substitute players. As long as you have your nine-man guy, your, your nine-man batting order, and your pitcher on the lineup card, and your team meets roster requirements, which in this situation is 28 guys, any of those 28 guys are eligible to play in that game. Professor Anderson just <laughs> dropping the mic on the umpires, his own kind, too. Throwing your own kind under the bus. Hey, How long man, have you been an umpire for? 15 years. 15 years, and you just turn your back on them. First, you don't hey, give your knee to Bo Bichette. I, then you throw your own... I to admit when they're wrong. Your own friends under the bus. What will you do next, <laughs> good sir? This is disgusting. Hey, man, those guys are making 120 k to $300,000 a year. I've got nothing in common with those guys. <laughs> um, I guess that's kind of a good way into the Brave series here. We're going to start recapping the uh, Jays games since the last time we recorded here. Do we need to get into the Brave series too much? It was so long ago. I mean, Ryu was great in that 2-1 win. The bats yeah. were kind of quiet, though. But Ryu was great. That was a great sign. What did you guys think of Nate Pearson in that loss? I mean, it was a rough first inning. But, Patrick, how do you think he? pitch for the rest of the night uh i didn't think he was very good uh he walked free uh yeah he only gave up two hits but he gave up a muffin uh and that ended up well it wasn't the winning run uh, but it set us behind and we were trying to play catch up the entire game it was actually wilmer font who blew the game for us uh what a surprise we'll talk about wilmer font blowing games a little bit more later on uh, but <laughs> Uh, getting back to Pearson, I wasn't impressed with him. I thought he was outpitched by uh, uh, Chuki Toussaint, if I, I hope I pronounced that correctly, um, uh, pitching for Atlanta. Yeah, uh, I'm kind of in the same boat. I, I, I loved the way he, he did battle a back after that first shaky inning. Uh, and, of course, yeah, Wilmer Font giving up that, that home run to Freddie Freeman, who a guy who had been struggling um, after coming back from COVID was tough. But, I mean, we, we, we saw our team fight back in that game too, right? Get down early, yeah. come back, uh, which has been kind of a theme to the season. So I, I liked the battle from Nate in that game. really did. Let's move on to the Red Sox series, shall we? Because it didn't start great, especially for Tanner Rourke, who, again, we had high hopes going into the season, and he's pitched okay at times, not so well other times. Uh, that second game was a great win because my boy Anthony Kay was great in relief. Sure I mean, I'm, I'm pretty proud of that guy. I've said it ever since we got him. I love this Anthony K guy, and thank you for proving me right. It never happens. <laughs> I think he's literally the first prediction I've ever gotten right. Whatever, I'll take it. Um, overall, though, Justin, that Red Sox series and the way it ended, um, give us your perspective on on the positives and the negatives in, the, in those three games. Yeah, obviously, like you said, positives being Anthony K. Um, we saw A.J. Cole with a great outing of relief in that first game. The, the offense didn't put up a ton of runs, like seven runs, uh, sorry, eight runs over three games. You're not going to win too many Major League Baseball games and you're averaging less than three runs per game. Nope. But, um, again, I, I didn't think the bullpen played badly. Obviously, we, we gave up the, 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 two, the two basically walk-off wins. But 
at the same time, um, I don't think the bullpen's really to blame. Obviously, Mitch, Mitch Moreland hit a monster home run off, off Thomas Hatch, but he had hit, I think he had two that night. But, I mean, at the same time, they did a good job of holding it. Shoemaker actually had a great start there in that third game. Uh, I don't know. It's just that the offense hadn't shown up yet. Patrick, uh, your thoughts on the Red Sox games and any players you want to highlight or anything like that? Um, honestly, I don't really want, I don't think any player really deserves a positive highlight except for Bo Bichette. Anthony Kay. Uh, and, well, yeah, obviously Anthony Kay, we talked about him already. I, I don't want to give anybody else uh, credit that's not really due to them. We didn't perform very well. We were lucky to get one win there. Um, I, I, I'm reasonably pleased with Ryan Baraki, Anthony Kay, Jordan Romano, uh, and Anthony Bass. Although, of course, um, a lot of the stats that I pulled happened before today's game. So there is a bit of a, you have to give us a little bit of wiggle room here. We had a little crew of uh, young pitchers who were all, uh, had zero ERA, uh, going into the start of today's restart. Uh, different story now, but um, do you guys, are you guys sick of our relievers giving up home runs in the ninth inning? No, I love I'm, it. I'm, I I'm sick love of it, it, man. I love it. I Like, honestly, <laughs> like, I don't need, there's not enough anger uh, in the world to satisfy me. Although, here's the thing with Dolis, okay, and that yeah, the 5-3 loss, uh, the first game. He still struck out three guys, but he gave up a muffin. And, like, it's, I just feel like it's meaningless. Like, what's the point? If, if they can't shut the, if they can't shut the inning down without giving up a home run, like, we need to, we need to be more selective with who we throw out there on the mound. If a guy doesn't look like he has his stuff for the day, don't send him out there. Oh, it's just driving me bananas how our guys are, are some of our relievers. And it's like almost, there's like a mini rotation of guys who are letting us down in extra innings or the ninth inning or whatever. And I just want them all to go away. <laughs> I've had enough of them. <laughs> I think we should call an audible on the uh, goodbye song today. Instead of Faith Hill, maybe we should get Super Sad Nemo play some good Charlotte or something because that was Hello, darkness, that was sad friend. right there. Holy, like, <laughs> what's the point? At that point, I was like, whoa, are you okay, man? It's going to be okay. The Jays are going to be okay. Are they? It's, it's just like what I said, um, Libras Galov. It's only a game. Why you have to be mad? It's only a game. Bright future. <laughs> We're struggling right now. It'll be fine. The boys will figure out. Again, I have Faith Hill. Um, that Marlins series. What? What a series. That first game, the walk off, oh. sick. But that second game. Let's focus on that here. Um, Justin, you watched that game from start to finish, right? Yeah, four and a half hours of. Uh, epic highs and lows let's put it that way yeah like nate was um, bad it sucked to start because <laughs> nate was bad but then yeah. just rallying back he didn't end up getting the loss which is great and then just going from from such a momentum swing and then just all of a sudden you know losing the well, game in the in one of those innings at, there yeah look at it this way right the first four and two-thirds innings our pitchers pearson and legos pack gave up 11 runs so you're it's not even the fifth inning or the end of the fifth inning yet you're down 11 if you've given up 11 rounds, they weren't down 11 because they ended up scoring, I think, two at that point. Then they come back and they hit, like, what was it, seven home runs that night to tie the game? Like, absolute, like, bombs, too, some of them. 
Um, I love that screen up in left field to keep the freeway safe. Love that because you can just see really how high above the wall those home runs are. Mm-hmm. Boom, moonshots. But yeah, I, the team didn't quit, right? Like you got to give them props for that. After Pearson and Wegus pack came out, Shunya Maguchi threw a, a perfect two and a third innings. Um, Ryan Baraki, Jordan Romano, obviously Rafael Dolis came in in that uh, extra inning uh, and, and kind of blew it for us. But at the same time, the offense didn't quit. They were down 8 nothing before they really knew it would hit them. And yet here they come storming back to tie that game at, the, at 11. You know what? I Bobachet, 5 for 5 in that game with a walk. The guy. The guy, of course, there's four singles and then that then a big old home run. But at the same time, um, the fact that those guys in the dugout just said, you know what, like, let's pick these boys up. Let's pick our pitchers up and let's at least fight back in this game. Uh, that showed a lot of a lot of guts and a lot of balls to be to be blunt. Patrick, what uh, what about you? What do you think of that? Um, what do you think about that series with the Marlins? Were you were you pumped about them coming back, even though they blew it at the end? Are you as optimistic as Justin or no? No, I'm not even close to that optimistic. Um, the only thing that I was really happy about was Bo Bichette going five for five with a walk and a home run. Um, he did score three of our runs, which is amazing. I just, I really hope he's not hurt too bad. Um, yeah, I don't know, guys. I'm just, I'm just sad. I'm just sad. Bringing down the whole energy, man. Jeez. I know. Let's go. We got the Faith Hill references going. We got the random golf bag stuff. We're buzzing. Let's go. Let's stop getting sad. Let's get happy. Um, let's talk a little bit about this race series because other than the, other than the the bad double header today, I mean, it looked okay for the for the Jays, especially because we always struggle against the Rays. But Justin, we'll talk yeah. about we'll talk to you here first. You lead off. Um, that big win. 12 to 4 and then after that mm-hmm. just kind of just kind of falling apart. Take us through your thoughts there. Okay, same thing. First game, shaky start for Rourke. He obviously was a little, he's a little bit struggling with his control with the four walks, but he gave us four innings, which is more than we can say about some of our starters this season. Uh, Anthony K kind of had a rough outing, but again, battled for us. And then we saw the rest of the bullpen just go lights out for the last like four or whatever two-thirds innings that it was. Uh, and of course the offense shows up. Tay Oscar showed up. Uh, Bichette, Telez, Biggio, and Grich with home runs as well. Six homers in the game, so 13 home runs over the course of those two games. Something that the team had never done in franchise history before. Um, you wish there were more guys on base for these home runs, but in this game, in this situation, got the win, so it doesn't really matter in the long, in the grand scheme of things. And then, yeah, today's two games. I mean, if anybody watched these games today, Sunday, August 16th, you'll know what we're talking about. Uh, tie games going into the last inning or into extra innings, and then yeah, bull, bullpen taters just giving up the, giving up the lead. Uh, yeah, tough high, and then two really big lows. Very big lows, and yeah, it was like it was tough to watch just all day. The Jays were in it again. Both games they were in it, so like you want to yeah. watch it, and then that's the most frustrating thing about this Jays team right now. They're in every game, so you're watching most of them. It's not like you turn it off. They're down by nine after the fifth or whatever. They're in every game, so you're watching, which makes it mm-hmm. that much more heartbreaking. Patrick, I know this was a tough one on you, and I don't know if you want to get even more sad right now, but I have a feeling you are. Well. <laughs> Let's talk about the thing that we <laughs> talked about earlier, which was roster management. Uh, Joe Panic hitting 160. 
batting second, replacing Bo Bichette. I understand that we have limited options at this point, but why can't you shift Brandon Drury over to short and then bring in Travis Shaw to play third? Why the, can't you? The you problem, know, Patrick, something? in that first game, like, if I can interject, is that the batting order was, that's from the suspended game, so the batting order was already set from the... Yeah, but can't, can't panic be shifted over? He, who else is going to play shortstop, though? Um, the shortstop spot was that two hole. Or, sorry, you shift over Drew. Drew sh- shifts the shortstop, and then you put Shaw in. So yeah. Drury, you'll you'll end up having Drury at short. I don't, <laughs> I don't, Shaw I don't like, at third. I think they made the right call with defensive alignment, and we were, okay, we, were we were we were a bit hamstrung by the batting order already being set from the day before. But also, Reese McGuire's batting one eighteen. Danny Jansen batting one seventy five. Brandon Drury batting 125. I think if you add all these fuckers together, it might equal Bo Bichette's batting average. It's it's just like, it's depth. We don't have any depth hitting. Uh, even Travis Shaw right now is, is somewhere in the 230s. Like, he's just not. And then Vladdy, obviously, like I said, I know it was a pretty vicious jab when I said it, but he's not hitting his weight right now. Uh, and that's a problem, especially when he's batting third in a lineup. And again, why isn't Randall Grichuk in the top three? Why is Kevon Biggio, who's barely at 200, why is he leading up? He's been struggling. Right? Like, yeah. Grichuk right now is hitting 300. Why? And Grichuk hit second today. He's having a great game, start. He's having a great start. Not a lot of people are too optimistic about Grich Daddy, but he's been he's been shutting a lot of people up. He's been playing good ball. He's yeah. been fantastic. I so love the one it. thing I want to highlight again here, too, and you're asking why Biggio is in that top spot, it's because he's still getting on base, right? He's still taking his walks, um, yeah. and he sees a lot of pitches. He's a good leadoff hitter because he gets the he gets the rest of the team. He sees sees like five or six pitches every at bat at least, and that gives those guys that are hitting right behind him a good look at the pitcher, which is still important even in the days of film review and analytics. These guys still need to see what that pitcher is looking like um, that day. And to talk about Vladdy too. I don't know if you, you you mentioned you didn't pull the stats from today, but right after Montoya and Shoemaker got tossed in this game, Vladdy's the first batter and he hits that mammoth home run. So maybe maybe somebody getting angry today, somebody getting angry, somebody getting tossed is what the team needed to kind of light a fire underneath their asses. Obviously, yeah. yes, we lost in game two again today, but at the same time, some emotion other than the guys like laughing in the dugout, maybe being a little too nonchalant. Somebody taking it seriously and, and taking offense to something is maybe what this team needs to be like, hey, you know what? We aren't playing well. We need to pick our shit up Agreed. and figure this out. Very yeah. much so, agree. Yeah, I, I liked how the team responded today. Um, obviously, yeah, our, our catchers aren't hitting well right now. Um, it's unfortunate. They've both shown signs in the past where, like, Danny Jansen had that hot stretch last season. Obviously, Reese McGuire had looked good in the big leagues until now. Obviously, he his minor league numbers were never as good as, as his pick leagues were. And even Anthony Alford, he had a home run after everyone got tossed today, too. So we, we just need some guys to get angry. Take offense to this the way the season has started. Like Take some responsibility, take some ownership, and just be better. It's amazing what some anger can do to a, yeah, to a sports team. Not just baseball, anything. Like You throw in a little anger in there, it takes one guy to get pissed off, and then the rest of the guys get pissed off, and then you just... The testosterone just starts taking over, and you kind yeah. of just play better. Mm-hmm. You just you, you get sick of losing. You hit the nail on the head there, buddy. <laughs> I, I always use my my golf game as example. I'm always really shitty for the first six holes. I haven't golfed in, in four years, just to reference this fact. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was, I was always shitty for the first six holes. 
Then I would get pissed off and have a great middle six and then get confident again and then shit the bed coming home. But at the same time, it's like a little bit of anger. Um, it helps you focus, I think, for some people. Like, I don't know about you guys, but like, even when I'm, like, when I'm curling badly, I get a little angry. I take offense. Like, you know what? I'm, I'm, I practice. I'm better than this. I should be playing better. Uh, what can I, what's one thing that I can fix to make sure the rest of this game goes, goes better for me? And then you just find that one thing. It usually makes a huge difference. When I'm playing goalie, I do the same. I know goalies, you you want to be calm, cool, and collected, but sometimes getting angry and slapping the post a little bit gets your anger out a little bit, yeah. kind of calms you down. Fire yourself up a bit. Yeah, again, get in be- that zone. Before we get into who's hot, who's not here, because, again, we want to stay optimistic. I know that we're all bummed. Obviously, Patrick's bummed. <laughs> Justin and I are bummed. We're very, very bummed about how the season's gone. But I think one thing you have to look at is we're in every game. We kind of touched yeah. on it a bit. But that's a great sign. This team is in year one of its, like, higher expectations plan. Like, this is year one of the rebuild payoff, kind of. And we're right mm-hmm. there. We're not even at the 20-game mark. And this team is in every game they play. Losing those heartbreaking games sucks. I get it. Like, it's really bad being in the whole game, losing in heartbreaking fashion yes. like that. But a few bad bounces go our way. We're having a totally different conversation this episode. And I think it's because the guys that we count on to win, like the Bows. Vladdy, Biggio, Pearson, all these young guys, T. Oscar even, and Danny Jansen, like they don't have the experience. They don't know how to win big league ball games yet. When that comes, mm-hmm. all these games that we're so close to lo- that we're so close to winning, we will actually win. Like I'm looking at this tweet from Chris Black. Uh, he analyzes all the losses here, and so many are tied after eight, tied after eight, tied after nine. One run game heading into the eighth. We're leading. Other than one loss where we were losing all game, we've been right there every single loss, and that's. That's a huge positive. It kind of seems like like not a lot of Jays fans are happy. I'm really happy. Considering with all the outside distractions that have been going on this year, I'm pretty happy with the Jays because I know young players are going to make mistakes, and young players don't know how to win mm-hmm. games mm-hmm. at the major league level. It'll come. It'll come. Yeah. Again, have faith, Hill. you got to have some faith, Hill. <laughs> um, getting into who's hot, who's not here, why don't we start it off with the guy who's maybe the hottest in the league, Patrick, Bo Bichette. Yeah, absolutely. Bo Bichette, uh, in the last uh, seven games, he's been hitting 464, wow. uh, an OBP of 516, and uh, has been slugging 964. I think that OPS is like uh, a billion, something like 1. that. 1.48. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, um, I did the math. Yeah, you did the math. <laughs> did the monster math. Boo. Oh, my God. Uh, no. Boo. <laughs> Boo. <laughs> Look, you wanted some. Oh, sorry, there's ghosts in here. Boo! <laughs> All right, listen. Uh, the Jays have been struggling when it comes to hitting, especially deep into their lineup. Bo Bichette, though, is a good counterpoint to that in that he has been punching solid extra base hits, uh, and he's getting on base, and he's scoring runs, too. Um, I can't believe... If you were to tell me Bo Bichette would be outperforming Vladdy by, like, two or three steps right now, <laughs> if you had told me that a year and a half ago, I would have said, no way, Jose. But it turns out you have to add together Biggio and Guerrero's numbers to get to where Bo Bichette is right now. That's how hot he is right now. And a fun little fact for you guys, uh, Bo Bichette in the last seven games, he has three stolen bases. And guess what? The Jays are top ten team when it comes to stealing bases right now if i told you that in 2015 you would have laughed at me because our team was old (laughs) and slow and they hit bombs and fingers yeah i mean 
I get it. Chicks dig the long ball. But uh, this team, they're learning how to play small ball. It's taken a little bit longer, but once we have a better manager in place, uh, you know, I think things will come together. Yeah, I'm pretty sure that Willie Mays Hayes got plenty of chicks for his space stealing in Major League. So Tons of chicks. <laughs> Tons. Uh, pump Boba Shet's tires for a while here, Justin, then we'll uh, get to some pitchers who are hot, one in particular. Yeah, I, I think Patrick's done a lot of tire pumping already. I don't know if I can uh, add any more to this tire. It may explode. But obviously the, the load of Bo is that he's on the 10-day IL now. We've already mentioned that. But yeah, the guy, every game that he's been in, I mean, you you almost expect something to happen every time he's at the plate. Like he 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 swings hard. He's gonna strike out. He's not gonna take too many walks. He's up there. He's aggressive. He looks for a pitch to hit. And usually when he gets that pitch, he doesn't miss it. Like him him and Teoscar are two of the best in the league right now, hitting the high fastball. They've both got averages in like the high 300s to low 400s on like that high fastball. So don't throw them the high heater right now because that thing is going to leave the yard in a hurry. But yeah, I'd love to see Bo at the plate. Uh, Even defensively, other than a couple of miscues, he's looked solid. Uh, Hopefully he sticks at that shortstop spot for us for years to come. And hopefully the team is like, you know what, we should maybe assign this guy to like some sort of contract and just like take him away from free agency completely right now. Let's do it. Let's look at a pitcher that's been uh, pretty lights out. A guy that we're kind of hard on here too, but he's proven us wrong. Ryan Baraki, Justin, getting to him a bit because he's had uh, he's sure. had quite a start. Yeah. So uh, again, credit to Patrick for putting the notes in for this section. But yeah, obviously Baraki lost the season last year due to a couple of injuries coming into spring training, and then also uh, a setback when he did um, allegedly get healthy again. But I mean, so far, yeah, he's looked he's looked pretty good. He had a, a sh- bit of a shaky outing. I'm not sure if it was it was it today in the first game of the continue game from yesterday. I can't remember anymore. Uh, it was really the first time all year that he didn't look super sharp. Um, but his fastballs, it's, he's been hitting 96 on that gun, whereas before he was a low 90s kind of guy. We always called him uh, Baby Burley. Um, but yeah, he's he's the bullpen has allowed him to really ratchet up that that uh, velocity. Um, the cutter's been looking really good. The breaking ball's been great. His changeup's been like just filthy this season too. Um, I actually like Ryan Brucky in the bullpen. I don't know, like I know he wants to be a starter. I know the team still is going to view him that as a long-term starting rotation piece. But we've got a lot of starters. We've talked about before. This may be a guy who we just need to uh, keep in the bullpen, as Patrick has in the notes. Anything else on uh, Brucky here, Patrick? Why don't you pump his tires? We can pump it up a little bit longer. You don't know what his case per nine is right now. Hit me with after, it. Let's go. After seven games played. Well, I can give you a ballpark because the numbers are a little bit screwed up on fan graphs. But uh, his K's per nine, um, after six games played, 19.50. Mm, I love it. Insane. Very impressive. In those, in those uh, seven games, he already has a, a wins above replacement of at least 0.3. It might round up a tiny bit because uh, he did get uh, a little bit more uh, in today. Uh, but the fact that he is thriving in the bullpen, look, this is what we did with Aaron Sanchez, and it it, it, it worked very well. Yeah, it's it showed results across major leagues in, in past as starting those guys in the pen. So maybe it's the formula for success. That I've been I've been touting this for how long now? It's been two years where I, I kept saying, take these young guys, put them in the pen, don't put the pressure on them to pitch uh, as a starter. Yeah. The exception to the rule might be Nate Pearson, but he hasn't been that great since his uh, first and second start. So I don't know if 
if we keep it up or not, but I know that uh, Ryan Barucki is probably going to be the first guy that takes a rotation spot if it becomes available, either through injury or if a guy just uh, keeps tossing absolute turds. Uh, like if uh, if we don't see any, any good work from Tanner Roark, I think the leash for him has to be short, especially if, like you guys say, we want to have faith and we want to compete for a postseason. We need to put our best foot forward and not be sending out guys who uh, who have no control. Right. Uh, Barucki has 14 strikeouts uh, as opposed to five walks. He did exactly what we said we wanted him to do, which was limit the walks. His BBs per nine are still 4.5, but it's still uh, a tick down from what it was last year, which was obviously an injury season and the numbers are freaked up. But um, <laughs> I think when, you know, with a little bit more time, uh, and a little more stabilization. I think we're we're looking at an all-star caliber season for Ryan Borucki. Kind of reminds me a little bit of when we had that stabilizing force in the bullpen uh, way back in, I think it was 1998, a young man named Paul Quantrill went to the all-star game. Eight wins and no losses, and he was our cornerstone. Uh, wow, leader. there's the Paul Quantrill reference for the week. There it is, I got to get it in. But uh, kudos to Ryan Borucki coming off of our horrific injury uh, that ruined his season and now he's in there and he, he he looks like our best pitcher well let's get sad shall we uh two guys who have not been so great justin we'll start with you obviously um brandon jury yeah <laughs> yeah sorry sorry i almost choked on some water there i had my mic muted um classic but uh yeah brandon jury has not been good Outside of his defense at third base, which I think he's he's one of the better defenders I've seen at third base in a long time. Offensively, he's taking a school of Russell Martin swing that plastic shopping bag, which are being outlawed everywhere now. So kids, the kids these days aren't gonna, aren't going to understand that reference in a, in a while. But uh, yeah, he's uh, kids these days. My God, I'm old. But anyway, he hasn't been good, and the fact that we keep rolling him out there, um, putting him in the lineup. It just really shows the fact that we just don't have, like Patrick said before, we don't have a lot of depth. So that's that's the problem. Just wait till Austin Martin gets here, boys. Everything's going to change at third base. What about you, Patrick? Go off on Brandon Jury here for a bit and then get into the pitcher who hasn't been so great either. I mean, I think his numbers speak for themselves. Uh, he's three for 27 on the year. I think it might be slightly worse now after, the, after today's game. I'm not 100% sure if the stats are uh, up to the minute updated. But his batting average is 111, and his OBP is 143. I mean, absolutely no disrespect to you, Clayton, when I say this, but I think you could perform better at the plate right now than Brandon Drury is. It's a big absolutely, big and you're, you'd be a good locker room guy to have. You'd be a guy that uh, I'd look to for leadership, and I don't think Brandon Drury has that skill either. Um, it's not his fault that everybody on the depth chart. Uh, everybody who's batting six, seven, eight, nine isn't really doing so hot. Um, but Brandon Drury is a result of a problematic approach at the plate. It's not working. And I don't get it. Santiago Espinal batted 350 in, the, in spring training. And Brandon Drury was an absolute far face. And now we've got Brandon Drury in the lineup every day. And I understand Bo Bichette is injured, which means we'll probably see more of him. But you're telling me... Santiago Espinal can't have a better slash line than uh, 111, 143, 111. 
I think it's bullshit. I think Espinal should be taking these uh, starts over Brandon Drury. All right, a pitcher that hasn't looked great. We've touched on it two, three, four times this episode. Tanner Rourke, not great. Hey, Justin. No, I mean, it was a toss-up between, I think, Rourke and Wilmer Font for this this, <laughs> this non-spot. Uh, but we, we crapped on Font a little earlier. But, yeah, Tanner Rourke, I mean, we, we expected him to not be elite. Obviously, he never has been. But we wanted him to be better than this. He's made those three starts so far. He's struck out 10 and walked 9. So those aren't good ratios. You don't want to see that. And also the three home runs are less than ideal. So unless he can keep runners off the base pass and keep the ball in the yard, oh boy, this could be a interesting, interesting tenure for Tanner Rourke in a Blue Jays uniform. I'll just, I'll just leave it there. That's enough. Take it from there, Patrick. <laughs> what about Tanner Rourke? Uh, what is Tanner Rourke's contract? Is it uh, two years or three? Let me get that while you term a new one. All right. Well, uh, let's talk about the main problem that he has right now, which is that his control is all over the place. He's only pitched 12 innings, and he already has nine walks. Kids out there, I don't know if you can do math, but uh, the stats aren't that great. He's giving up a walk an inning, and he's giving up a home run every four innings. He's becoming a... I've got the contract, Patrick. Two years, $24 million. We've got him locked in through next season. I'm okay with that because I don't think we're going to compete this year, and next year we can shove him in the pen. I'm good with that. Uh, Three years would have been a problem, but uh, there's not a hell of a lot that Rourke can do right now except go deeper into games and not throw walks that's going to make me change my mind on him. I think he's a liability when he hits the mound right now. And I 100% think he will be the first pitcher in the rotation right now to lose his rotation spot. If the season starts to get away from the team and they don't feel like they can compete, or if they feel like uh, they might need some sort of change, or if Ryan Barucki stays hot, I think Ryan Barucki is primed to take Rourke's spot and Rourke will pitch out of the pen long relief. It, it's just he's too much of a liability. It's only three starts, and it's only 12 innings. But, again, three games that, uh, you know, you might as well toss in the fucking garbage because this guy can't pitch uh, deep into a game, and he, he's throwing all over the place. We can't afford to continue to throw away games uh, in the first or second inning and then have to fight our way back. You can't rely on your hitters to do that all the time. And this guy needs more bailing out than the American banks in 2008. Wow, financial reference. Big financial go. reference. Um, yeah, Hashtag again. Hashtag the big short. Again, it's been uh, it's been a bit of a battle. Uh, these heartbreaking losses, they're tough, but it there is a positive out of it. At least we're in the games, right? We're not getting blown mm-hmm. out. We're not getting destroyed. We're in the games. Absolutely. And we're young. We'll figure it out. Might need another year. I thought that the boys are ready, but maybe they need another another year of seasoning before they can really dominate this league. Like I think they're gonna in a few years. Um, marinate. We had a Professor Anderson bit, but boys, we have been we've been going. It's it, we're an hour. A lot of Blue Jay talk today. Like usually we mix it up with hockey or some other baseball talk. It was wall to wall Blue Jay talk. Maybe we save Professor Anderson for later this week. Maybe we move to two episodes a week. What do you think? Yeah, we can we can do that. I'm fine with it. Maybe yeah, uh, maybe get an episode out on Thursday, maybe? Nail something down like that? Sure. Yeah, I don't that's, know, because, yeah, I, well, I got to run. I did not expect us to go off, but lots <laughs> of Blue Jay talk here. Anything else? I think it help some friends move. Yeah, anything else to add here? Uh, any closing thoughts here? Or? 
You know what? Keep keep the faith hail, as Clayton would say this episode. Keep I think we've hail. got a chance to to improve. The errors have mostly been defensive this season outside of the bullpen blowing games. Uh really there's a, I don't I don't know if it can get much worse than what we've been seeing. God, I shouldn't have said that. But I think there's gonna be some positives coming this season, boys. I'm looking forward to it. Closing thoughts, Patrick. What do you got? It is. Um I'd say the MVP of this episode uh, is you, Clayton, because you're absolutely right. I know I've been a negative Nancy for a couple episodes now, but uh, you're right. We just need to keep the faith. I think this team and many of the members of the coaching staff have what it takes to win and to get into the playoffs. Even if this year isn't the year, we're seeing a lot of positive momentum swing in the favor of some of our younger players and we're finally seeing one particular uh, veteran player, like I guess he's a veteran <laughs> compared to Bo, uh, in uh, Tiosca Hernandez step up to the plate. And uh, I'm really excited uh, to see what this team does in the next week and see how they rise up, uh, especially in the face of two very tough losses today. So, Clayton, I think you're right. I think I just need to shut up and watch the games and enjoy it and uh, be excited for the future. We're keeping the Faith Hill, and that's how we're saying goodbye to some Faith Hill. Thanks for listening. Uh, we'll talk to you maybe sometime next week, or this week, rather. Uh, for Patrick, for Justin, my name's Clayton. Thanks for uh, listening, wherever that was, wherever you were. Um, thanks for the follows on Instagram, Twitter, all that stuff. Retweet our stuff. Give us some reviews. Uh, stay safe, too. See you later. Go Jays. This